It is January 15th. Trade season in the NBA is here. We'll cut through it all for the Pacers. Under the radar stuff for the Pacers to watch out for their draft pick status and more on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, y'all? Happy Monday, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today you are listening to a three-days pre-recorded podcast because I am out with my friends on a bachelor party. So if anything happened in the Hawks or Nuggets game that seemed really important that you're not hearing me talk about today, it's because I haven't watched him yet, but we'll get back to the regular schedule tomorrow. I'll be back today, though, is convenient because I can pre-record easily because today, for you listening, it's January 15th, which is the last hurdle date for the trades in the NBA ahead of the trade deadline. Players signed using early bird or full bird rights in the offseason can now be traded. So almost everybody, not quite, but almost everybody in the league can be traded. For example, Jeremy Grant and Matisse Thibel, two guys we'll talk about today, they are available to be traded now among many other players. So why not dive into the Pacers trade deadline with some under-the-radar stuff that I think is under-discussed, and I'm going to give you, one, my favorite fake trade, something I never do, and two, a list of teams I think the Pacers should be contacting. We've covered all the Raptors stuff with Siakam here many times. Uh, we've covered what I think the Pacers trade strategy should be and many other things. We'll do more trade stuff leading up to the deadline. Now I think it's time to get a lot more nitty gritty and actually look at some other teams and what makes sense for the Pacers. Because as I've said, forwards aren't important uh, and defense is important for the Pacers. Although really, they could start to use depth at any spot. Next year, Miles Turner, Bruce Brown, Andrew Nemhart, among others, with expiring contracts. They're not totally locked in at any position. So I would understand them hunting for talent upgrades elsewhere. Obviously, their wing and forward depth is where I think most people assume they will look. But I think you have to ask yourself a baseline question if you're the Pacers before you take off in anything. Short of star trades, right? If you can get Siakam at a good price, you do it. If you can get name forward X who's good and would fit the Pacers very well for a good price, you're going to do it. But if you're going to go lower than that, right? If you feel like you need to make a small upgrade, but you don't, you don't see the really great star trade out there, is there what, what what kind of question do you have to ask for the Pacers? To me, you have to start with you have Aaron Neesmith, you have Obi Toppin and his restricted rights in the summer, you have Jarris Walker on your team. Anyone you acquire, you have to believe either right now they are better than one of those guys and can play for you down the stretch of this season, or in the future, they're going to be better than one of those guys and deserve minutes. And Jordan War is even on the team now playing, but like if they're not ever if you don't believe in their future above those guys and they're not or they're not better than them right now what value do they have to you the pacers so not everybody today that i name i think is in that category but i would understand the argument from someone else that they could be and so that is where we will start though today we're going to talk about the pacers 2024 draft picks we're going to talk about teams i think they should connect with and again my favorite fake trade yes i actually came up with one for this so let's start in the East, running through teams that I think have a reason to be trading a forward for one reason or another. Their record, they need guards, their roster imbalance. We'll go through the West as well. Um, I have Orlando typed down. That's a boring place to start, but Chumo, Kiki, and Jonathan Isaac don't play a ton for them. Isaac, it's because of injuries, and he literally can't play a ton, and they have a lot of depth. So Chuma, one of their old first-round picks, can't play a ton. 
they need guards. It's the only reason I think, in theory, there could be something there, but it's not very flattering. And I don't necessarily think that's a fun one. Let's start with a fun one. The Brooklyn Nets. And a fitting thing today, Cam Johnson can be traded as of January 15th. His contract's big, and it's a poison pill deal, so it's a hard trade to make. But the Pacers have cap space. I haven't really calculated it. I'm sure there's a way to make it, even though it might be complicated. But Brooklyn does not have a good record. They haven't been playing particularly great recently. And they have Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson, along with Mikael Bridges on their roster. That doesn't even account for you know, playing guards at the three, or they have Lonnie Walker on their team, or if Ben Simmons ever comes back, he was playing for them. They have forwards and forward depth and size on their team, and they don't have a ton of shot creation. Cam Johnson can create for himself. Spencer Dinwiddie hasn't been enough for them. They kind of need guards. So naturally, that could be a fit to me for the Pacers. Maybe it's something smaller, and Royce O'Neal is in the Pacers rotation down the stretch of this season. Maybe they like Finney Smith going forward, a guy who used to play for a Carlisle. Maybe they think Cam Johnson could be a long-term fit. He's a good-ish player on both ends, although a little overrated, but he's still a good player. Um, those that is a team that makes some sense to me, depending on where their season goes. They don't have incentive to tank because they don't have their own picks, uh, but they do have incentive to maybe make their roster more balanced positionally. Uh, the Raptors are on this list for me, but less so than they were before they traded OG and Anobi. Um, I mean, look, Pascal Siakam is a fantastic forward. I have thought he was been the better fit for the Pacers than OG on the court the whole time that they both have been linked uh, to the Pacers via trade. Um, there were reports that the Pacers and Raptors chit-chatted extensively at the G League Showcase. Sam Amick and The Athletic reported last week that perhaps there is a, the, the, the Pacers are one of the favorites, or not the favorites, but just one of the most connected teams to Siakam, right? You can read all this stuff. You know, th those connections go on and on. I've done lots of stuff on this, but he's a fantastic basketball fit. He turns 30 in April, his contract's expiring, and it's big and requires salary matching this year. So there's a lot of hurdles that make it not the easiest trade ever. We'll see where that ends up heading towards. It might depend on how the Pacers do in this Sands-Halliburton stretch. And again, perhaps Siakam is traded in the three days between me recording this and this podcast coming out. Perhaps something dramatic happens with the Pacers, and I say something that is a little outdated. I hope that doesn't happen but I will do my best to make sure that that is not the case, or I'll come back in and edit it if something crazy does happen. The Hornets are a very interesting team to me for the Pacers who think about connecting with, with the trade deadline here. Miles Bridges can now be traded. I personally would be pretty annoyed if the Pacers traded for Miles Bridges, but Miles Bridges is still relevant here because he's on the Hornets, as is Brandon Miller, as is Cody Martin, as is P.J. Washington, as is Gordon Hayward. Could any of them be fits on the Pacers? Would you value listener or Pacers? Those guys any more than Neesmith, Toppin, Jarris, whatever, or could any of them contribute this year and you figure it out from there? Maybe so, uh, especially in the case of Martin and Hayward, who may not be long-term fits on a Hornets team. Uh, the Hornets are so fascinating to me because they also have like kind of a lame duck GM and coach. At least that's what people in the league have been kind of wondering with new ownership coming in there. We'll see what they end up doing, but they do have a lot of forwards that are interesting to me. The Wizards are interesting to me from a Pacers perspective because they have a new front office. And so they that front office re-signed Kyle Kuzma to a great tradable contract. It's also a tradable contract. And then they this front office did not draft Denny Avdia or Corey Kispert. Two very interesting young wings. Kispert for his offense and his shooting. Avdia can kind of score and is a decent defender. Would either of them be viewed as either more immediate fits for the Pacers or long-term upgrades? 
The Wizards are interesting to me because of their new front office and what they value. So in the East, it's interesting because the top teams are harder. I mean, obviously, those teams aren't likely to be sellers, so it's less natural to just come up with a trade anyway. But none of the top teams make a ton of sense as a trade partner to me for the Pacers in the East besides Orlando. But basically, once you get below the Bulls, everybody has reason to maybe be moving stuff. The Bulls have been really solid of late. So we will see in the East. The West has more teams and my favorite fakie uh, on this entire list. Uh, so we'll we'll head over to there. But of course, in the non-star category, I think there's a lot of names that I just said or teams that make sense. Like the Wizards stink and will probably be sellers. The Hornets stink and will be sellers. The Raptors, I just shrug every time I talk about the Raptors. But their roster makes a lot of sense now. Maybe they won't trade Siakam. It's weird with Siakam. I'll talk about him for a little, just a couple more seconds. Like he has a lot of incentives to stay in Toronto. They could offer him a fifth year. No one else could right now. Uh, At least whatever team he's on, that's the case. They can offer him a no trade clause. No one else will definitely be able to do that next year or in free agency. He could get a super max with them. If he makes all NBA, that seems unlikely, but like he has reasons to want to stay in Toronto. And it seems like if he was willing to resign elsewhere, there'd be a lot more buzz about connected teams, Brooklyn. It's just about the imbalance of their roster. They're kind of the anti Pacers in that way. Not really. The Pacers wings have been better this year and forward depth. And then Orlando has a ton of forwards and is in need of non Jalen Suggs guards. Cole Anthony has been hurt. Markel Fultz has been hurt. Gary Harris has been hurt. Those guys are solid when they play, but haven't been playing enough. And are they the long-term answers in your guard rotation for the Magic? Who knows? The Western Conference has some other teams and my favorite one to talk about. And that is where we'll head. Hey, all quick little break. I have to talk about the lovely people over at Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life. We have to talk for a minute about preparing for real life. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin. And right now, It's the middle of one of the worst flu seasons in over a decade. That's all scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if someone I knew or was close to uh, needed life-saving medication and couldn't get it because of a supply chain issue or something similar. Thankfully, we here will be okay because of Jace Medical, who makes the Jace case. It's a five-pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and many more. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit Jace Medical, J-A-S-E Medical. Dot com complete your physician encounter it'll be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost it's never been more important to be prepared than today go to jace medical j-a-s-e medical.com and use the offer code locked on for twenty dollars off your order again that's code locked on at jacemedical.com back here on locked on pacers thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day if you want game coverage from hawks pacers or nuggets pacers again i apologize i'm recording this before those games because I can't talk about them. I don't have time. Um, Locked on Hawks and Locked on Nuggets exist. Highly recommend you check those shows out. Fantastic hosts. The Nuggets have a, a lot of hosts for their show. Um, but Matt and Adam are the best. And Locked on Hawks, Brad Rowland's been on Locked on Pacers. He kills it covering a very interesting positioned Hawks team. Let's keep going here. Let's go to the Western Conference. Chalk, chalk up some teams that maybe do or don't make sense. Same kind of deal as the top of the East, the top of the West. Like, has a lot of teams that I guess might be looking to make moves, but none that would be selling wings that are of value <laughs> to the Pacers, right? That makes it hard. The only team in the top eight of the West, as of I'm talking to this, I suppose this could in theory change uh, that I actually typed down was the Clippers. And that's only because PJ Tucker isn't playing for them. Did the Pacers think PJ Tucker would play for them? I don't know. I don't think he would. Um, 
play for them. He's not better than any of their forwards that are playing, but he's a nice veteran. He also has a contract that goes into next year, so I don't think it makes sense, but I, I could hear an argument for would play for a playoff team this year. So we'll see, but that's that's the only one. All the rest are non-playoff teams in the West that either might be sellers or need to be balancing their roster. The Clippers don't need to do either of those things. Uh, P.J. Tucker just doesn't play for them, which is where all that one comes from. Amazingly, the Lakers are in a weird spot again. Tenth in the West. Uh, I'm recording this right after they just got beat pretty bad by the Suns, so they're under 500 as I'm talking. 19 and 20, 10th in the West, tied with Utah for 10th, and tied in the loss column for the Warriors for 12th. So clearly, with LeBron and AD on their team, they're going to want to try to get better or at least shake things up as they did last year with a Russell Westbrook trade that went pretty well for them, but not perfectly. So now they need offense bad, right? They have on their team Torian Prince, who can kind of shoot and kind of defend. He's pretty good. Rui Achimura, who is young and can kind of do those things. I've never been in love with Achimura's game, although he had an awesome postseason last year, of course. Jared Vanderbilt, fantastic defender, uh, not a great offensive player. Cam Reddish, same thing, I guess. He's just some size. And Max Christie, who's young and interesting and probably should be playing more for them. That's a lot of forwardish guys who need to play, especially on a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis, who are going to play. And Austin Reeves is their most reliable guard, even though he's had not the year people expected. So where do they go from here? How can they get more offense onto their team? Their defense is, as I'm talking, top 10. Their offense is bottom eight, I believe. So do they want shooting, right? Could they still have their interest in Buddy Heald? Is there a deal to make there? Could they want some offensive punch with the ball? Is there a deal to make with a Pacers ball handler? I don't know, but they have a lot of names, surprisingly. Funnily enough, it actually makes more sense for me for the Pacers and Lakers to make a trade this year than it does last year. <laughs> I don't know how that is the case after the many things that have become over intertwined between those two franchises, but um, not, not to be there. They did make a trade last season. Remember, it just wasn't the one people remember. Uh, it was pick 47 and cash for pick 40. <laughs> the, the trade that everybody had been waiting for. They just make sense to me as a team that needs scoring and needs guards that could in theory trade a defensive player for an offensive player. And Hey, the Pacers would probably like to do the inverse of that. I typed the Rockets here, and then I typed a question mark. The Houston Rockets are good, <laughs> and about not like ahead ahead of schedule, um, but you know, a 500 team right now, ninth in the West. They don't necessarily have anybody I think that they would like to trade, right? Like, I don't know why they'd be selling anybody unless they really want to go for the eight, seven, six seed, whatever. But they have a lot of interesting young stuff that's just like, if you can pry Jay Sean Tate, you know, he's not like super young anymore, but if you can get Jay Sean Tate, maybe think about it. If you can get Tari Eason, you absolutely do your best to do it. I don't know why they would trade away Tari Eason. I just think he's a fantastic player. Um, they have so many young guys that a lot of them can't even play. Like Kim Whitmore's been in the G League a lot this season. And I don't think they're going to trade Kim Whitmore. I'm just, that is how much depth and young depth they have. So if there is a young, interesting forward, that could be moved from the Rockets. I would sniff on it on the Pacers, as the Pacers, excuse me, but I don't know who that would be or why they would do it. My literal note under Rockets, question mark, is nothing great trade-wise that makes sense, but they have a lot of nice young stuff. <laughs> so we'll see. We have reached the Warriors. Um, the I heard for the first time today, I think it was Jake Fisher on uh, the No Cap Room podcast talking about the Pacers' potential interest in two Warriors forwards. One is Andrew Wiggins. The other one is Jonathan Kuminga, who I both had on this list before I heard that. So interesting stuff there. The Warriors are just, what on earth do they want? How do they proceed, right? 
So I say I only ask that question, and I don't want to opine too much on other teams on a Pacers podcast because if I'm the Warriors, I'm not trading Jonathan Kaminga. Like I have his restricted rights. Clearly, they I mean, they're, they're not playing him as much as he would like to play, but like he's played more minutes every season of his career. He's looked way better this year, and they're trying, and they clearly value him somewhat, or else they would have traded him for an upgrade next to Steph already. Like, I'm not trading him if I'm the Warriors, especially because I'm not good. (laughs) I'm 12th in the West. Why am I trading away my young guys? But at the same time, I would hear the argument of, no, you try to win as much as you can every season Steph Curry's on your team. And in that way, you trade maybe your best young, interesting player to make that happen. So I'm receptive to both of those. The Warriors, as of me talking, have lost six of eight and have not looked particularly awesome. They have a lot of interesting young stuff to maybe make upgrades, including uh, Kuminga. Do you think Moses Moody's a wing? I don't know. I think he's more guardy, but I loved him in that draft. As many of you remember, he is great. Uh, they also have Braden Pajemski, who I loved in this draft. They have a lot of guys I liked in their draft who are good young players, but it's hard for them to play on this Warriors team. So the, the Warriors have to figure out what they want to do. Can they keep going forward around Steph, or are they not good enough? And they have to find other creative solutions. So if, if Jonathan Kaminga is available, he would be among my, my highest priorities as the Pacers because he is both young and good right now. He's not like awesome. He can't really shoot it, which would be interesting in a Pacers system that features a lot of guys who can shoot, but he's still mostly efficient because he's good on his twos, right? He hovers around 60% true shooting every year. He's a decent rebounder. He's a good, good size, good athleticism to play defense. Like I would consider playing him over Obi Top, and I think he could have a high long-term future because, again, he is still 21. He turns 22 in October. He's in his third season. That's crazy. So still some potential to explore there. If he is available, I don't know what the Warriors would want from the Pacers, a good vet, a good player, presumably. That would be something I would be all over as the Pacers. I think that would be maybe my priority one of the reportedly – available players. Although again, if I'm the Warriors, I personally am not trading Jonathan Kaminga. The other Warriors player named that I mentioned is Andrew Wiggins, who's fascinating to me uh, because a couple years ago, he turned into a fantastic player. Where did that come from? He was an all-star out of nowhere, right? That was two seasons ago. They won a championship. He was a 17 point per game scorer. He shot 39% from three last year. He was also a 17 point per game scorer and shot 39% from three, closer to 40. Decent enough rebounder, had this awesome playoff run. Lots of exciting stuff about Andrew Wiggins, right? And then they said, wow, we like this guy. And we had that off court stuff that many played under half of the games last season, but a good player. This year he stinks. (laughs) He got the four year, $109 million contract. This is the first year of it. It's really three years guaranteed than a player option. It only runs till he's 31. So this is through his prime. But this year he's averaging. These are not misreads for me. 11.7 points, 4.1 rebounds. He's shooting 41.8% from the field, 29.8% from three. His, all of his numbers are down. And some of that's that his minutes are down. But his minutes are now because he's playing bad, right? Like good Wiggins would be a good fit on the Pacers. He would play. He'd be valuable. If he can shoot and rebound, he's what they need. He's got athleticism on defense. What he has been this year is not valuable. And what he has been this year is not the player at his salary level. So if he starts playing better, he's not going to be as available. (laughs) So it's kind of a risk. But if you could acquire him with a low cost because the Warriors are panicked about him being a toxic asset, maybe you think about it as the Pacers. But that one's tricky for lots of reasons. Um, But the Warriors are an interesting team to me. They would be among my top three Interesting Pacers teams, the Raptors, obviously, in there. And then this is a personal project. Here comes my fake trade and the team that I think is now 
exceedingly fascinating heading into the trade deadline. The Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies. Why are the Grizzlies so interesting to me? Thank you for asking, listener. Because what the heck are they going to do? They were terrible without Morant. He came back. Then they were good. He came back and they were good. They won uh, eight or eight or nine of 13 with him back, right? They're currently 14 and 23, which is a bad record, but they were like completely awful for their first 10 games of the season. They started one and eight, right? They've been respectable ever since. Jaw looked good. And now he's out for the season. And Steven Adams is out for the season. And Brandon Clark's out for the season. And Jaron Jackson is dealing with a knee issue. Santiel Dama has been out for a bit. And Derek Rose has been out for a bit. And now Marcus Smart's got a finger injury and he's going to be out for six weeks. Their whole team is hurt. So they're clearly not going to make it anywhere this year. A gap years are fine. The Warriors want a title after a gap year, but it's not awesome, right? So what are they going to do? Are they going to try to just strip it down? Anything that's not tied down, they're trading. If so, they have Zaire Williams. That's an interesting young wing who could somehow be available. They have David Roddy, who hasn't been awesome, but is, is interesting to me, right? They have some interesting young pieces on their team, particularly those two guys. Neither of them have been awesome, but are at least interesting. But... The thing that makes the Grizzlies more interesting to me and why they're my maybe favorite fake trade team for the Pacers is they have tax concerns next year. So they might, I'm not saying any of Morant, Bain, Jaron Jackson, or Marcus Smart be available for trade, but they might be willing to trade almost anyone else who could cut their salary. And so my, I, I, I back of the napkin math, am interested in thinking, would the Grizzlies consider this? Buddy Heald and Jordan Wara for Luke Kennard, and Brandon Clark. The, 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 this would have been more likely to me for them if they were trying to be good because Heald can shoot it and Kennard can shoot it, so they're replacing shooter for shooter. Wara is there for money, but they get two expiring contracts for a Kennard that is in and out of their rotation, weirdly. Uh, I guess I get it. He's only played 14 games this year, but he's shooting 41% from three. And Brandon Clark, who's out for the season, but they get off Clark's money next year to deal with their tax, and he's a positive value player, but he's out for the season. It's tricky now because that is totally just a cost-cutting move for the Grizzlies now if they do it instead of having any benefit this year with Heald. So maybe that would need to be a third team for Buddy Heald. But that is my concept. Is there? And this is all based around two things. One is I think Brandon Clark's awesome. <laughs> for those of you who remember me back in that draft or were listening to this show that long ago, I loved him in that draft. Couldn't believe he was available when the Pacers picked. I get why they didn't pick him. They picked Goga that year. I would have picked Brandon Clark and never looked back. He's a good player. Um, but I, I, I get whatever. It doesn't matter why he's not on the Pacers, but he's a good player. He's a good defensive player. He finishes a lot. He's a good rebounder. He's a good, uh, he's just a good player. Luke Kennard is a great shooter like yield and has a team option next year. So what the Pacers could do is get a keep buddy Heald's shooting ability via Luke Kennard another year and cheaper. Funnily enough, get Clark with it for two expirings. They, they probably would have to include a pick now given the Grizzlies changed goals, but I like that structure. I think that's very interesting for the Pacers. I'll be very curious again what the Grizzlies look at, but there's a fake trade for you, listener. I don't do those often, so <laughs> I, I've thought a lot about Grizzlies Pacers trade. The last team I want to talk about very quickly is the Blazers, two guys who are available for trade now for them. Jeremy Grant, probably a neutral value guy just because his salary is pretty high, uh, and Matisse Thibel, who's a great defender and is shooting better-ish this season not fantastically better but because of that i think he'd fit better with the pacers and they could both defend and they both have an argument to make that they fit that test of neesmith top and jarris what he could be experiment so those are teams that i think are sneaky interesting obviously if you can get a young stud or a star that's different don't throw the teams out doesn't matter 
if the Pacers are looking for forwards or long-term forward depth or solutions, I think those are teams to keep an eye on in the next couple weeks as we progress. Last thing I want to talk about here is the Pacers draft picks. They have two extra ones on top of their own this season. Where do those stand? How does their draft night trade look from last year? And the reason that's important is how valuable will these picks be on the trade market. Let's talk about that to close out today's show. But first, one more break here, guys. Got to talk about the lovely people over at FanDuel. The playoffs of the NFL are rocking. Lions, Rams was awesome. The rest of the games were meh. But there's still time for you to get in on the action of the NFL and other sports over on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers on FanDuel can get 150 bucks in bonus bets. Guaranteed. That's a lot of money. When you place a 5 Dollar bet. That's it. You win a five. You win 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose, just by placing a five dollar bet. You got to go to fanduel.com slash locked on, though. They have an app, it's super easy to use. You can make a parlay in their parlay hub. You'll see a bunch of popular parlays there. You can find bets in their new explore tab. You can do live save game parlays, whatever you like. FanDuel's got it, but you got to go visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup again. 150 bucks after that five dollar bet on FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Back here on Lockdown Pacers, thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Listen to Lockdown Grizzlies because how the Grizzlies manage their next couple weeks will be fascinating. Their season has gone horribly wrong, and it's not the Grizzlies' fault at all, but they have to now decide what they do with their new situation. Uh, Joe Molinax and the Michael Cole will just crush it on Lockdown Grizzlies. Go check it out. Let's wrap up here by talking about the Pacers draft picks. If you don't remember, um, they made a big trade at the draft last year where they traded pick 29 and 32 to Denver. In exchange, they got pick 40 and a 2024 first. Let's talk about that pick right now. That pick originally came from OKC, and at the time it was, and it still is, the worst of the following four teams, Oklahoma City, Houston, LA Clippers, and Utah Jazz. Whichever one of those teams finished with the best record, meaning their pick was the worst of the four, it would go to the Pacers. The Rockets was protected one through 10, and the Jazz was protected, or excuse me, the Rockets was protected one through four, Jazz protected one through 10. So the th- I, I, I understood the thinking of that trade. I defended it quite a lot, right? OKC, very young. No one knows how good they'll be. I didn't think they'd be nearly this good, and they've proved everybody wrong, right? And then the Clippers were really stumbling to start the season. They didn't have James Harden yet. Even when they got Harden, they were like 10 and 12 at one point, right? Who knows what they're going to be this year. And Houston's a 500 team. And Utah was not good until they were good. And now they look good. So at the time, that made sense, right? Like in the absolute best case scenario, that could have been like the 15 to 20th pick, right? That is totally worth trading 29 and 32 for. But here's what actually is happening. Houston's a 500 team. Utah's playing awesome. They have like, I think the best record in the NBA as of me talking over their last 10 games. The Clippers have won 14 of 15 and the Thunder have the second best record in the NBA. (laughs) So as it stands, that trade has not worked out for the Pacers. They have, they traded 29 and 32 last year for 40, which they then traded to the Lakers for 47 in cash. So that's how Mojave King is in their organization Uh, for what will become. We'll see Mojave King plus, Currently, pick 29. <laughs> that is the Thunder right now uh, at their record. They've been very good this year, and that's the second to last pick in the draft. Now, they are two losses away from the Sixers. They're three losses away from the Kings. 
You know, it's not like the difference between them and the Pacers, even who have 15 losses is that big. They're 26 and 11. So that pick could move. It's too early to call anything. But the Clippers are one of the teams right in that range. We're 24 and 13 and would have picked 25, which would go to the Thunder. So if you're the Pacers, you're rooting against the Clippers and Thunder. And you really hope it happens very soon, extremely soon, because the worse those teams start to look, the better that pick looks. Otherwise, you're trading one of the bottom five picks in the first round, and the Pacers can hardly fit in another late first-round pick onto their team. So it's really interesting to see how that, like at the time that trade made sense, it has not worked out for them, right? So it's a very, 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 very small-scale example of how you view trades. I talk about this a lot, right? The George Hill Kawhi Leonard trade, right? For the at the time the Pacers did it, they had all the sense in the world for the Pacers. George Hill was good for them, was helpful on two conference finals teams, but obviously you'd rather have Kawhi Leonard. Right. So do you judge the trade for the logic at the time or the results? Because on the other hand, the Victor Oladipo trade didn't look so good for the Pacers when they did it and turned out awesome. So it's it 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 depends how you view trades of at the time they made it. Did it make sense or did the result make sense? Because the result of this one is not looking good right now. The logic at the time did make a lot of sense. We'll see if the Thunder or Clippers stumble. But right now one of the Pacers tradable assets. In fact, maybe one of their most like ready to part with things to me. I don't know that they're thinking this way. They're late. First uh, is very late in the first round. Their own pick is 20. They still have that. Um, that is what it is. And then they also have uh, a second could be their own. Currently it would be their own. I believe um, at pick 50. So they have 20 in the first round, 50 in the second round. And then they have the Bucks second rounder as well. Uh, the Bucks just beat the Celtics a couple hours before I recorded this. And that is pick 57. They got that pick uh, in the Jordan Awara salary dump last season. So uh, as it stands, the Pacers draft capital for 2024 is 57, 50, 29, and 20. I say that to say one that might that like sounds like four picks, but like none of them are awesome. The 20th pick's pretty good, but none of those are like awesome. Like for example, that is a worse package. That is two firsts and two seconds. That's a worse package than what the Raptors got for Ananobi, right? So just to put that in perspective, but that is what the Pacers are working with. And it's it's fun to say they could trade two firsts this year. They can. They could trade their whole draft this year reasonably, but it's not like that. It's a good package. Anything with two firsts in it's a good package, but it's not like that powerful as it thought it could be because either maybe the Pacers you know, I predicted they'd be a 500 team this year, right? That would have them closer to the back of the lottery. For example, the Rockets, who are a 500 team right now, would pick 14th. Let's go into OKC, but still, um, you know, their own pick thought would be better than or the one they got from the Nuggets. That'd be better than 29, and their second rounders aren't very good. So just keep that in mind as you think about what the Pacers could do at the deadline. Their pick package isn't as awesome as it looked like it could be you know, four months ago. Some of that's because they're better. Some of that's because the Thunder are way better. But that is an interesting part of the asset game is their young players certainly have more value than their this year pick package and their way out in the future pick package while they have Tyrese Halbert on their team for six years. So uh, it doesn't take a lot of <laughs> math to figure out what those could look like. We will see how the Pacers progress. We'll see what they do. And we'll cover it all here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Again, this was pre-recorded. We'll talk Nuggets and Hawks and Jazz. Uh, I will be watching the Jazz game live. In the next couple days, we'll catch up on all that stuff, how the Pacers are handling their business without Halliburton. Hope you guys had a great weekend and enjoyed today's show. You can find me on Twitter at Tony R. East or 
uh, comment down below on YouTube. The best ways to reach me, depending on where you're listening or watching. The show is on Twitter at Lockdown Pacers. Hope you guys enjoyed. If you have any trade thoughts, fake trades are not my favorite thing to assess, but just in general thoughts, let me know. Until then, we will see you tomorrow.